Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. It's important to establish that culture of winning, the importance of winning, and doing things the right way. So for us, it's just to keep building upon that. Throws to the end zone. It is caught for the Miami touchdown. It's Parker. All day long with Devontae Parker. Picked off. Going to the end zone is Eric Rowe for the touchdown. Blake fake. Throws it. There he is. Rockets. And it's a big man touchdown in Miami. What is up, Fins fans? Welcome into another episode of Fin It to Win It, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network and Bet Online. My name's Riley Bradshaw, alongside Mason Englehart. You can follow, interact with the show on social media. We're at Fin It to Win It on Facebook and Twitter. Mason, we have a great episode lined up for the fans today. We're going to have Russell Clay on. Russell covers NFL fantasy for Fantasy Guru. You can follow him on Twitter at Russell J. Clay. So, Mason, when it comes to fantasy football for the Miami Dolphins, there's a lot of intriguing storylines going into 2020. Yeah, Riley, there really are. And I'm excited to get into this with Russell. But you have Devontae Parker coming off a 1,200-yard season, nine touchdowns, career season for him. We're hoping he can improve on that, obviously. Then you have the likes of Mike Kosicki finishing the year strong. And then we have our new running back duo in Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, who I know a lot of analysts, and it'll be curious to see where Russell falls on this, but a lot of people are expecting maybe one or two of those guys to be those late sleepers in the draft. So there's quite a bit of Dolphins players who can make some noise fantasy-wise this year, so it'll be exciting to talk to Russell about how he feels about the team. It'll be interesting to see, Mason, how his answers kind of line up with fan feedback that we've gotten through our social media accounts at Finit to Win and on Facebook and Twitter. We've been doing a lot of polls. So like for Mike Gesicki, for instance, we put out a poll, you know, how will he stack up in terms of receiving yards this year? We talked about Randy McMichael holding the season record for receiving yards with 791. Will Mike Gesicki top that this year? Uh, we asked about the running back situation. Which running back is more likely to get 1,000 yards? Which one's going to end with more total yards? So that's an interesting storyline to be checking out as well when it comes to the comes to the running back situation for the Dolphins. And I love the fans' optimism that we've been seeing online from Facebook and Twitter. I mean, it seems like every poll we put out, it's really solid as far as like they feel like they're going to get over 1,000 yards rushing or they're going to get over this amount. So it is nice to see the optimism. Obviously, since the Dolphins drafted Tua, it seems like the optimism has been sky high for Dolphins fans. I, I hope we can keep riding this wave because the more optimistic we are, the more fan um, interaction it's going to create. It's funny you mentioned Tua, Mason, because starting next Monday on our social media accounts, at Finit to Win It, we will be doing a fan giveaway. And let me give you a hint here. I think it's a big one. We're going to be giving away a free jersey of a top-selling NFL player. Hmm. I wonder who that could be, Riley. (laughs) If that doesn't give it away, I don't know what will. But all you'll have to do is interact with the post and follow us at Finit to Win It on Facebook or Twitter. That's all you got to do to be entered to win a free, insert player name, top-selling jersey player. (laughs) 
<laughs> from the NFL. All you'll have to do is like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Finit to Win It, and you will be entered to win a free Tua jersey. So make sure you do that. We're going to get to Russell here in just a second, but first, a quick read from Bet Online. Mason, there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. Mason, why don't you tell the people more? That's right. And speaking of NASCAR, I actually had uh, Brad Keselowski um, winning, or I didn't pick him to win, but I had him finishing in the top five. So I won that nice bet there. But there's a lot of things going on, Riley. People think there's not many sports. You can't bet on them. Well, they'd be wrong. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7 on Bet Online. Or you can participate in a $10,000, that's right, $10,000, $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, which is going to be a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament that you can enter for free. That's right, for free. doesn't cost anything to enter to win $10,000. You'd be crazy not to do that. And also, live right now on Bet Online's YouTube channel, you can find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges, where they discuss that Michael Jordan documentary that the whole nation was infatuated with. I know I was. And they're calling this the final dance. So visit betonline.ag and use this promo code Blue Wire. That's promo code Blue Wire to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action because there's a ton going on right now. Bet online, your online wagering solution. All right, we're joined here on Finit to Win It Now by Russell Clay. Russell covers NFL fantasy, the NFL draft for Fantasy Guru. You can check his work out there, fantasyguru.com. He also covers college football DFS for Elite Fantasy. Russell, thanks for joining us. So I want to ask you right off the bat since you cover college football, you cover NFL. I want to know, what is your favorite type of fantasy football league? Are you into daily? Are you into season long? I saw you wrote a couple uh, pieces for Fantasy Guru about dynasty leagues. So like, what is your preferred league as like a, as an expert? Like, do you like PPR leagues? Just what is your ideal league that you like to play in? So there's a, a few different branches to this answer. Hello, audience. Um, number one, <laughs> Uh, Dynasty is where my fantasy football was kind of born. Obviously, I started in season long, but when I found my first Dynasty League, that was true love. Um, I'd always been looking for that. Uh, you know, I'd always play the Madden franchises and just never play any games. I just sim all the seasons. Yeah, see man, I hear you. <laughs> see how many Super Bowls I could win. And uh, Dynasty Leagues is the closest thing to that. So uh, I definitely would say it's there. In terms of the most exploitable game, it's still college football DFS. Uh, number one reason why I do that still, I think, you know, in terms of researching, the there's just no coverage like the NFL. It's not like that. You know, you could be thinking a guy's going to go off and he's not even on the team anymore by Saturday. So those things actually do happen in college football DFS. I've seen it before. Um, and that's why I definitely have always loved college football. So those two are kind of the branches for me. I dipped my toes into college football a season long last year, and it just was so it was so difficult. There's so many players, so many teams. Yeah. Like the NFLs, you know, there's 32 teams. It's cut and dry right there. And I finally started getting into daily as well. But I want to ask you, so like when you're going through drafts or the season, like what is the one thing before we get into Dolphins talk? What is the one thing that just 
drives you nuts about fantasy? Is it like, is it like guys, well, obviously the auto draft, if they miss the draft, or is it like a guy that takes a kicker in like the sixth, seventh round? Is it someone that makes these obnoxious trades? Like what's the one thing that really like irks you when it comes to fantasy football? Okay. Uh, Obnoxious trades, lopsided trades are easily my number one pet peeve in dynasty leagues. Please explain. I just have been in so many leagues over the years that I've I've seen people with these devious intentions and I, and we both <laughs> like if you're in a league you know the skill level of every person you right. know how much everyone's paying attention and there's always going to be one or two guys that isn't fully invested and if you have reasonable people they're not going to attack that guy they're just going to leave him alone and he's going to dwell in his his cave and lose. <laughs> but if you have those devious owners, those poachers, we're going to go the, the poachers. They, they get the picture of the, the guy's head, you know, in a picture and, and they steal all his best players. And then it's like, all right, what's going on here? The league balance is totally thrown off. Um, but I will say setting lineups is also a pain in the butt for me because, you know, I like to be helping fantasy guru subscribers on Sunday mornings yeah. and I can't be dealing with 10 to 15 lineups where one of my best players just got locked out. And now, um, you know, five of my lineups are dead before they start. So I would say I've switched to best ball dynasty leagues. Um, as of this year, I only have one that I actually set a lineup in. So uh, automation, baby. And, and Russell, let's actually stick with pet peeves for a second because mm. Riley and I have had an argument, a fantasy football argument for, I think, well over 10 years now. And I don't know if you'll be able to settle this argument for us, but I want to see what side of the fence you sit on. And I'll be honest, I, I am more on the unpopular opinion when it comes to this subject, but the amount of fantasy football leagues, somebody joins, I am of the unpopular opinion that you should only be in maybe one or two fantasy football leagues. To me, less is more because you're taking them le- the leagues more seriously. You're putting more time into it. You're not just not caring about a lineup in a random league. Now, Riley, on the other hand, Riley, since I've known him, he does maybe 10 to 15 leagues okay, every okay. year. Maybe I'm exaggerating, you're but slander. I'm just going to roll it. <laughs> but he does 10 to 15 leagues every year. We're going to stick with that number. And I just feel like it's such a waste of time because like you mentioned, setting lineups, if you're, if you start the year 0 and 4, you put so much less effort into that and it kind of ruins the league. If other people are serious into it, I know your profession is fantasy football and obviously you have to join a lot of leagues, but for the common Joe or someone like Riley and I, who we're both serious in fantasy football, do you feel like less is more like me or are you cool with joining as many leagues as you can and just having fun with it? So this is a great question and one that many, many fantasy football players are going to have to deal with over the next, you know, because fantasy football is so big now that people are over overdoing their leagues. And I think everyone goes through this process where, uh, you know, I've had 20 leagues before I've had more than that before. And you just go, oh, this is totally unsustainable. And when you get to like 2025 set lineup leagues, (laughs) You have to price in that you're going to miss some lineup, like start sets. You're going to miss them. Sure. And once, and once you realize that it was too much for me, um, again, I've shifted to best ball, you know, there's best ball season long leagues. Um, I'm a big proponent of that. I think 
again, if you want to prove your skill and, and all that, then one of the best ways is like, okay, I'm going to invest a lot in best ball leagues. But again, it becomes a time thing on, on Sunday mornings. There's only four, five, maybe six hours a, a morning if you get up early uh, on a Sunday morning. How much time can you invest in setting those lineups? So I, I really think one or two is great. I think you can get up to five that you can manage the lineups every week any more than that. And you're dancing and you're, you're looking for a room for error at that point. So I'd say five or six is probably the max I would do of set lineup. Thank you, Russell. Thank you. And I just need to say Mason's been giving me crap about this literally for like a decade. Mason and I went to college together and ever since we've been to college, I'd be like, we'd be sitting in class next to each other and I'd be setting all of my lineups from my different leagues. And he'd be looking over all like 12 of them. How many leagues are you in? I was in three leagues, three. No way. Give me a break, dude. Give me a break. So I have my high school yeah, league, smart. you know, my high school friends, my college yep. friends and my family, mm-hmm. three leagues. That's it. So well under the threshold that Russell has provided here. Sorry, Mason, but you lose yet again. All right. So let's I, you know, talk- I, I, okay. You know what? I'll 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 say I lost, but at the same time, I'm going to stick with with one to two leagues. That's it. But thank you, though, Russell, for chiming in on that. Sure. <laughs> All right. Let's talk some dolphins in terms of fantasy. So let's start with the quarterback position, Russell. Obviously, the the Finns draft Tua. Number five overall. Ryan Fitzpatrick's there. Ryan Fitzpatrick, by the way, is that one. He's that guy. Every time he's on my team and I play him, he throws four picks. And then the next week, I bench him and he throws for 400 yards. So I guess here's a layered question for you. We can take it one at a time if you want. So like if Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in as the starter, I mean, last year he started off very slow. He was benched, came back in. Since he came back in, he was rated the 10th highest quarterback in the in the league. Threw for 19 touchdowns, nine interceptions. So we know what we're going to get, though, with Ryan Fitzpatrick up and down. But like how much value would you put into him? Where would you... Where would you see him going in terms of the quarterbacks um, when it comes to drafting them in like a season long? What, what would you do with Ryan Fitzpatrick? Is he a guy you'd stay away from, or would you just kind of put him as your backup for when you need him and hope that he has one of those blow up 400 yard, three touchdown games? He's, he's a great, great waiver wire pickup. Um, again, I, I do think uh, he's going to start the year. I know to, uh, I mean, that injury was pretty brutal. So if he can come right. back and he's ready and 100%, then it's still going to be tough because I think we're going to see Andy Dalton start to get into this range as well, where Ryan Fitzpatrick is way overqualified as a backup, but he's he's not a top 20 guy still as a starter. So it's this weird range where we have quite a few guys like that right now. Uh I, I like Fitzpatrick, and again, I like his weapons uh, this year, and I think he showed last year that he has real potential with these weapons, and he's not a guy you can really draft until later just because you don't fully know his status. And in terms of season-long projections, you can't project him for more than 13, 14 games right now. But, yeah, certainly, again, he's been like this since his Buffalo Bill days. You know, oh, It's yeah. just like always been like this. Yeah, and I'm curious, are you like one of those guys that you like to take chances on guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, that you know he could provide a top five day or he could completely 
dismantle your entire team that week, you know, with a four interception game? Are you like one of those risk takers or are you a guy that like I'll go with, I'll just throw out there for Dolphins' sake, Orion Tannehill, kind of like that steady Eddie. You know, he's not going to he's not gonna give you top five numbers, but you don't think he's going to be in the bottom half. He'll give you like that 15th best quarterback. Like what, what type of guy are you when it comes to setting your fantasy lineup? Are you a more of a risk taker or more of a conservative guy? So I'd say during the draft, I'm very um, risk oriented. Uh, I think we've seen a lot, a lot of the the league winners over the last couple years, the Lamar Jacksons, the Patrick Mahomes, uh, players like that where they were kind of unknowns coming into the year. Those are the types that I try to take risks on. And actually, Ryan Tanhill was a great waiver wire pickup last year uh, right. out of nowhere. Um, but you know, Fitzpatrick again, kind of like with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you didn't even know if he was going to start every week, but you know, if I'm desperate and I need a waiver wire pickup and I'm a big underdog in the matchup, yeah, I'm, I'll fire him in there. So what are your thoughts on Tua um, for season long? If he comes in and plays for the Dolphins, is he worth a pickup, you know, for a waiver wire pickup, um, especially in dynasty, where would you take Tua in a dynasty league? Oh, okay. So, um, super flex is a big thing that I, I do now where you can start two quarterbacks a week. Uh, two is ve- should be very highly valued. Uh, obviously a, a fantastic quarterback prospect. Uh, his career at Alabama was pretty amazing from literally the first, you know, yeah. half a game he played. I mean, he was the backup the whole year comes in and saves the national championship and really was, I won't say wasn't tested, but was just so good that almost every game in his career wasn't really a challenge for him. And, um, you know, statistically an incredible prospect. Uh, I think we should be valuing him. And I think he could be a guy that comes on the second half and really, again, uh, a lot of people are pessimistic about the Dolphins, but I love what they did late last year. And I think, you know, you talk about uh, Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki, both of those players can provide elite, you know, upside for a quarterback and make big plays that can, uh, you know, uh, lengthen a fantasy day. So I like to a lot as a tentative pickup again, probably not worrying about him unless you're in deeper leagues, but I still like him. So yeah, Russell, let's actually move on to Devonte Parker. Last season, Dolphin fans finally got what they'd been craving for years from Devontae Parker when the Dolphins drafted him out of Louisville. And Parker was actually one of two wide receivers with at least 55 yards in 13 games. So he had a really solid year. I'm not going to mention who that other receiver was. Um, It it was Michael Thomas, but that's it. We're not going to get into him. But he finished with over 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, finished in the top 10 for wide receivers for fantasy as well. From a fantasy perspective, where do you see him going to next year? Do you see him keeping up with the trend on upwards, or do you feel like he's going to maybe kind of level off a little bit? So, I mean, this is a lengthy history uh, in terms of Devontae Parker and fantasy football and also just him as a wide receiver prospect. Uh, You know what's interesting? These big wide receivers that use ball skills in – tightly contested situations. A lot of them have busted over the last decade. And I just remember over the prior four years, how Devonte Parker was used as a negative comp for prospects. And it's like, hold on, what are you guys talking about? 
No, <laughs> I remember Devontae Parker. Like, that's one of the things I think people need to get out of their head, which is that if one archetype fails, that means the next guy is going to fail as well. Parker was a great prospect, immense skill. And we even saw that in, in bits and pieces throughout his early career. Um, he just stayed healthy last year and he had a competent quarterback and I don't see why he would fall off. And again, people are so jaded by that first four years. They just don't want to believe. And honestly, if he goes back to being injured in 2020, again, it wouldn't be shocking, but from a talent perspective, I'm all the way in. Like he remember that catch that touchdown catch where he jumped like 45 inches in the air as rookie year. And you were like, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. This guy's amazing. He's always had it. So uh, I'm, I'm still a buyer. I was a buyer last year um, in the, what, you know, last round of the draft, he's incredibly talented and you still get a discount in fantasy football. I like that word you use jaded. And I think that's what a lot of dolphins <laughs> yeah. fans were Russell going into going into this previous year. I was one of them. I rostered Devontae Parker, I think, every year he was in the league up until last year. <laughs> so I'm worried to roster him this year because in fear that I may, you know, somehow put a bad omen or something on Devontae. But, like, yeah, we always knew the talent was there. You mentioned that, you know, that catch his rookie year. But that was like every few games you'd get one of those. But then he'd, you know, get nicked up. He'd be off the field. Oh, he's injury prone. Oh, he's not committed to the team. But last year, like, he finally put it all together. Where are you drafting Devontae Parker in your mocks, Russell? Are you taking him aggressively in the second round? Are you trying to see him if he'll fall a little bit later in the draft? Where do you feel like is a good spot to to draft Devontae Parker coming up this season? Again, I, I so many people don't trust it. In, like, the fantasy industry is like, uh, the the narrative right now is Preston Williams will be back. Parker's back like Parker's role wasn't huge before Preston Williams left uh it's gonna go back to him being purely a perimeter not much else guy and I that is nothing other than because he's been injured and not productive previously so um I just I watched all his targets I I was you know I, I don't see why he would be a fluke other than the injuries crop up again so I I'm looking at him in the fifth to eighth round of fantasy drafts right now. Like he's not going that high, especially post draft. Some of those first round rookies are kind of sneaking, sneaking high and all those other positions as well. So, um, you know, you can kind of get him at a, a reasonable price. You don't have to gamble too much. I think the fifth round is a fantastic price for Devontae yeah. Parker. Fantastic. You mentioned Preston Williams. Are there any other Dolphin receivers, including him, that you're high on this year? Maybe like a sneaky sleeper pick later in the draft? Uh, I, I think I think Preston Williams is really the main guy there. There aren't really any high-end guys I'm looking at. Obviously, Albert Wilson is a fun player and, and a really good real football player. I've really liked him. Gosh, where did he come out of school? I forget. Hold on. I'm going to look at this right now. Um, he was an incredible college player. Are you um, talking about and, Preston Williams? No, Albert Wilson, Georgia state. Yeah, um, that's right. And yeah. uh, he's, he's a great slot guy, but he's probably not going to be more than that. Um, but yeah, Preston Williams, Colorado state really great first half before that major injury. I expect him to be a competent uh, number two wide receiver there, but yeah, I think it's, it's Parker and Gasicki for fantasy who I'm interested in. 
it's interesting you mentioned Gesicki because like when when Williams went down, obviously Parker's numbers went up, but also Gesicki's. Um, both of those guys in the last half of the year really elevated their play. Gesicki was one of those guys had a lot of expectations when he was drafted out of Penn mm-hmm. State. Really underperformed his rookie year, but you, he finally turned that corner. But like if Preston Williams comes back, are you concerned that he'll kind of digress back into that third option role, or do you see him as like? a top five potential tight end um, and, you know, to continue the progression that we saw towards the end of last year. So one of the big bases of my research in fantasy football is based on draft position um, and where players are, are taken in the NFL draft. Uh, and I just look at the equation here. It's like Parker was a first round pick. Gasicki was a high second round pick. They picked Preston Williams off the waiver wire. You know, he, he was not a high-end guy for them. And whether we like it or not, organizations have biases. They want Gasicki to be good. And they're going to give him every opportunity be, to be good. And I think he is good. So, uh, yeah, Gasicki, Penn State legend uh, in terms of the workout room, obviously tested out as an incredible athlete at the Combine. And... I don't, I mean, the worry was that he wasn't really a football player coming into the NFL. And now he kind of showed last year that he at least has those volleyball, you know, jump ball skills. So um, I, I really think he's, he's going to be an emerging guy in 2020. Yeah. Riley and I actually, we did a breakout players uh, podcast a few weeks ago and we mentioned Gesicki both being on our list for that. Now, how much do, does offensive coordinators play into part when you're doing research and ranking different guys? Cause we know Chan Gailey coming in, he doesn't have the best track record at feeding tight ends. Now mm. his tight ends over the, the, his, his career haven't been high caliber ones, maybe besides Tony Gonzalez when he coached him. But how much do you worry about maybe Mike Gesicki taking a step back from how he finished the year last year with an offensive coordinator like Chan Gailey who doesn't pepper the ball too much to tight ends? Now, if you had asked me this question this time last year, I would have said, that's stupid. Don't think about it. Gesicki's talented. I don't even want to hear about this conversation. However, however, uh, last year, OJ Howard was one of my favorite tight ends in the NFL. I thought he was going to explode and all the naysayers were like Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians doesn't use tight ends like that. And I was like, shut up. You're wrong. (laughs) And guess who was wrong? Not them. Me. (laughs) (laughs) So I do value that more. So now I had not previously, but I think you do have to account for that. At least I still believe talent will get plays in the playbook like i just do believe that and i think what gasicki showed last year should solidify some type of every week role but yeah you do have to at least value that um and especially for this the 2020 season like an individual season offensive coordinators matter much more obviously yeah and like like Mason mentioned, uh, you know, he coached Tony Gonzalez when he was at Kansas City, obviously a Hall of Famer. We're not saying Gasicki is that, but, you know, he coached guys in Buffalo and the Jets like Scott Chandler, Jeff Cumberland, like guys mm. nowhere near the talent level, at least, at least in the receiving game, as Mike Gasicki. So I think Chan Gillies, he's known as, you know, a, he's known as one of those coordinators that doesn't try to fit his personnel into his scheme. He kind of adapts. And if you look at it more of, at least in my opinion, is Gasecki is the second 
option in the passing game instead of a tight end because I think he's going to be playing a lot more in the slot and even out wide this year. You're not going to see him on the line much at all this year in this new offense. So I think if we kind of have the mindset of he is our second receiving option rather than he's a tight end and, yeah, Chan Gailey doesn't throw to tight ends, I think you you can be a lot more optimistic about Gesicki going into this year. Sure. Yeah, and I'll be interested how they deal with Tua if he is out there, if they run more two tight end sets just to kind of keep someone in the block because Gasicki's probably never going to be a great blocking tight end. It's a very nice way to say have... it, Russell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to running back. So. The Dolphins were awful at running the ball last year. Everybody knows this. Ryan Fitzpatrick was the leading rusher on the team, which is not a good thing. That's not going to, you know, spell out many victories. So they bring in Jordan Howard through free agency. They trade for Matt Breida in the draft. Two guys that, you know, when they're in, they're pretty productive, but they bring a lot of different, I guess, skill sets to the table. So if you're looking at these two guys, and I guess it kind of depends, you know, which league what type of league you're in PPR, non PPR, but just your overall thoughts. Like if you look at both these running backs, Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, and you're a fantasy owner on draft day, which one of these dolphins running backs would you rather have on your roster? Yeah. And first from a real football fit, I love what they're doing. They're a rebuilding franchise and these are two really talented running backs, but not necessarily that versatile. So it's a nice real fit and the money makes sense. So I do like that. Uh, in terms of fantasy football, I want to say Matt Breida, uh, another small school, you know, uber talented college guy that finally got an opportunity with the 49ers and, and looked great. I mean, really looked like a high end, you know, uh, third down back at times um, at San Francisco. He's just always injured. You want to talk about a guy that's always injured. I mean, he'd be yeah. a great play in fantasy. And I, I've i never seen a guy like hobble off the field three times in a game, but he'll do it. And then he'll just be back out there the next drive. And you're like, dude, just, just let it go, man. You're out this game. So that can be probably something you you can expect from him. But it'll also give you those 60-yard rushing touchdowns. Jordan so. Howard's kind of that way too, though. I mean, he in, mm, in different ways, really he's talented. more of that bruising running back. But he takes so much contact that, yeah. you know, last year he missed all that time with the Eagles. But he was kind of becoming their, their full-time number one back before he went down. But he has a history, too, of uh, getting nicked up. So I think you have that kind of aspect with both of those guys. Right. And if either gets hurt, the other one will probably get 15 touches in that game. And that's kind of what you're looking for. So I do like the injury upside of that backfield. You kind of hope, I mean, I don't want to be pessimistic on the Dolphins 2020 seasonal record here. Probably going to be in some comeback situations. Am I right, fellas? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. For, uh, 14 and two, maybe like two comebacks. <laughs> Playing with the lead. But, That's what we're yeah. going to do. <laughs> but uh, um, I think there will be a lot of, you know, PPR value in these running backs, just kind of dump offs late in the game. So I like that as well. Russell, do you have an opinion on which maybe AFC East team has the best running back corpse or possibly maybe has the best you know, situation coming into next season. Cause it's always interesting to look at the other teams. The dolphins will be uh, playing against uh, to get the divisional 
uh, title. So where do you stand on maybe the best AFC team with running backs? Uh, in terms of player, I, I still think uh, it's Le'Veon Bell. Um, the Buffalo Bills combo of Zach Moss and Devin Singletary is it's very strange, but it's also very Bills and like it'll probably work. You know, like I remember Fred Jackson back in the day and you're like, I guess, I guess this is working. And then it worked for like five years. So um, I think and Chan really Gailey high. was the coach for a lot of those years, by the way. Yeah, there you go. Oh man. CJ Spiller. Yep. Oh, he made CJ Spiller an elite, you know, Yeah, it was his career year. And we talked about this actually, Russell, uh, we did a running back preview in our depth chart dive and we kind of went through the last couple stops Chan Gailey had you know when he was with the Bills and then when he was with the Jets and like you mentioned there Fred Jackson then CJ Spiller kind of reminds me a little bit of Breida in terms of like the speed aspect of it I think CJ brings more to the passing game but Mm. Breida actually is probably faster I mean Breida was the fastest running back in the league last year and then with the Jets, you know, he had Chris Ivory and he made Chris Ivory a pro bowler. So like, unlike the tight ends where, you know, Gesicki is into a situation where how is he going to be utilized? I think we can go in confident that at least Changeli is like, you know, he heavily involves his running backs and he puts them in like situations where they can succeed. This is an incredible take and I'm probably going to steal this and say I thought of it. Um, there you go. I no, give you permission. No, go for it. No, but that is... Um, that's fascinating. And when you really think about Chan Gailey, I mean, obviously um, people haven't thought about it as much lately, but he was known for having these incredible, uh, you know, setups that got that optimize, optimized these running backs, particularly Spiller in space. That was like what he was known for, for a while. So yeah, I, I love that. Um, you know, I think the Patriots, I I still like Damian Harris. I think he was a really talented guy out of Alabama. Uh, Sony Michelle hasn't been great, but I think that trio with James White is still really solid. And then, you know, I, I think I think Breida and Howard will actually be pretty competent. Like, I, I think they'll be around average from an NFL perspective. Um, again, two talented skill sets, just not the feet they're not just they can't do it all either of them you can't go anywhere but up from where we were last year so i will take it <laughs> competent i'll take that <laughs> all right so we'll get you also i'll say one more yeah. thing uh miles gaskin i don't know if he's on the practice squad or what at this point but i was really high on him as a prospect uh i don't know what's going on with him anymore but Th- yeah. that's interesting RIP because or- we talked about miles gaskin and just you know He's so small. And I know small running backs have succeeded yeah. in like particular roles, but this he's like 5'9", 160. And, and the thing with me, you know, now that they brought in these two running backs, they have Balazs, and we know how awful he was last year, but the team really liked him, you know, enough to ship Kenyon Drake to Arizona, and then they have Laird there too. So it's kind of a crowded backfield. Malcolm Perry, the gut kid out of Navy that they just brought in. Oh, yeah, so if, yeah. like for me, Russell, I look at guys like – can they contribute on special teams? And we broke this down in our running back um, depth chart dive. You know, he barely contributed. And I mean, he's just not a special teams guy. He doesn't have the body type for it. Like guys like Laird and Balazs were heavily involved yeah. in special teams. Like when you get that deep into the depth chart, how else can you contribute, you know, to the team? So for Miles Gaskin, yeah. he's really talented at like what he's, what he does as like a specialist type of running back. But I don't know. I don't, it's going to be tough to it's going to be tough to project if he makes this roster. You know, after all the additions that yeah. they made. 
Yeah. And yeah. Russell, you mentioned how nicked up, you know, our two starting running backs essentially are. I, I'm, I'm in the camp where I think the Dolphins are going to keep a lot of these guys around, including Gaskin, Laird, Balage, just in case something like that happens. But the talents there with Gaskins, it's just going to be interesting to see how the Dolphins use him, especially like Riley mentioned with them drafting Perry, two kind of similar guys in size. It, it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in training camp. Yeah, uber productive college career at Washington and just ha- it, he didn't test out well at the combine and uh, uh, it was kind of curtains after that, but I'm still rooting for him. We are as so, well. So we'll get you out of the year with this. So if you're looking at like round, after round seven or eight and you can mention a guy that you've talked about, you know, previously, but if you had to pick one dolphin that you would target in those later rounds as a potential guy not Gesicki, not Devontae Parker, like the guys that we know are going to be like the premier targets for the team this year. But like if there's a guy in the later rounds that you think could, hey, if things kind of fall into place, if he stays healthy, if he gets utilized correctly, could be like that that sleeper guy for the Dolphins. Is there someone that comes to mind? Yeah, you know, uh, O.J. McDuffie has really, really been coming on in camp from what I <laughs> – <laughs> um, love the name I, I wish <laughs> I would have um, liked if he went with a Rondé Gadston but ooh, there you go that's a Chris Chambers one. oh I love Chris Chambers that's right um, in terms of fantasy I think we're looking at Matt Breida I think if he can get sneak in on those third downs that could become a really nice fantasy relevant role all right. Well, hey, man, it's been a lot of fun. We hope to have you on when we get closer to the year and kind of see how these training camp battles materialize. You know, who's going to be the starter where? How healthy are these guys like Preston Williams? Like a lot of these guys we talked about tonight, Russell, are guys that like Preston Williams was having a good season, blew out his ACL. Albert Wilson, when he's when he's on the field, like the dude makes plays, but he can't stay on the field. Brita, Howard, guys that have been nicked up. So like we'll kind of see as – training camp gets rolling and how these guys are looking in camp. I'd love to have you back on to break these guys down even more, but you can follow Russell. He covers NFL fantasy, covers the NFL draft for fantasy guru at fantasyguru.com. covers college football DFS for elite fantasy. You can follow him on Twitter at Russell J clay. Russell. Thanks, man. It's been a lot of fun and we look forward to having you on in the, in the future. Absolutely. This was a lot of fun guys. Uh, I, I, enjoyed talking dolphins. So here we go. go. Yeah. I got to come on again. Optimism. That's what this show brings (laughs) optimism going into 2020. Ever since the Tua pick man, dolphins fans have been fired up. I haven't seen dolphins fans this fired up for this team in a long time. So there's a lot of optimism around the Miami dolphins, man. Nice. That's, that's exciting. All right. So thanks again to Russell J clay for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Russell J clay, follow the show. Facebook, Twitter, at Finit to Win It. You can check us out any podcast platform, Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a five-star review, rate, subscribe, and check us out at bluewirepods.com. For Mason, I'm Riley. We will see you next time. Have a great weekend, everybody. Fins up.